0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good morning, Birdland. Let's talk some Orioles. My name is Mark Brown. If you know me, you might know me from my writing on CamdenChat.com, or maybe even from way back when, when I had a podcast called CamdenCast. If you don't know me, that's all right. New or old, I'm glad to have you here, and uh, I hope we can have some fun talking about the Orioles. So, I don't like talking about myself, so let me get right down to it. Uh, it is March the 24th, 2023. Opening day for the 2023 season is now six days away. The Orioles are 13-12-3 and, 12 and three through their Grapefruit League schedule so far, with four more games to play. And uh, to, to get things kicked off, uh, for starters, I would really like to talk about the starting pitching. Uh, the Orioles, as they surprised people by winning 83 games last year, no one was more surprised than me, still did not actually have a great starting rotation. They were 21st in Major League Baseball in ERA for their starting pitchers with a 4.35. That was about half a run shy of Major League average. Uh, the Orioles were 23rd in innings pitched by their starting pitchers uh, with 802.1 innings pitched. Again, that was about 50 innings short of what the average team did. So I think any idiot could have looked into uh, the Orioles roster going over this offseason and decide, you know what, the Orioles need to do something to improve their starting rotation. Uh, I happen to be an idiot who on Camden Chat wrote an article about how the Orioles should just go ahead and make a big splurge uh, expenditure and sign Justin Verlander to three years and however many dollars it might have taken him uh, to come here and be an Oriole. Well, that probably was not ever very realistic. Uh, Verlander, when he had the option to go be on the Mets and uh, pitch with Max Scherzer and be around all the other excitement that's around the Mets right now, probably wasn't going to be very likely to come here, even if uh, the Orioles happened to offer him a substantial enough sum of money to get him to come here. But the fact is, uh, Mike Elias, the Orioles general manager, he was pretty cautious about signing starting pitchers this offseason, and he didn't end up signing anyone to a multi-year contract. Is that going to look prudent? Well, there have already been injuries, even uh, before the season starts, to a couple of the uh, multi-year pitchers, including the uh, big Yankees free agent edition. Well, external free agent edition. Obviously, they gave Aaron Judge all the money. Anyway, their pitching signing, Carlos Rodon, uh, has already going to be missing time. Uh, as well as Jose Quintana. So we will see uh, what happens with some of the other guys the Orioles might have signed. I think we're going to be looking and seeing whether uh, they were able to, or whether they should have signed Taiwan Walker, who got four years and $72 million from the Phillies, Jamison Tyone, who got four years and $68 million from the Yankees, and Chris Bassett, who got three years and $63 million from the Blue Jays, who also gave up a draft pick. Uh, in the process. I think probably those guys are going to be better in 2023 than the starting pitcher. The Orioles did sign uh, Kyle Gibson, who they inked for a $10 million contract for one year. So uh, it is a shorter term expenditure and a smaller expenditure, but uh, the Orioles, since they only came three games short of a postseason spot last year, could really use immediate improvement rather than just marking time and getting good value for their uh, short-term dollar. So uh, I'm not all that excited about the Gibson signing, but we'll see. Maybe uh, Mike Elias has a better idea than I do of how Gibson is going to improve. Okay, so who do the Orioles have for the starting rotation? Based on how guys have been lining up as spring training has been going along, it does look like they've got there are five guys in the following order. Uh, in the number one spot is Kyle Gibson. Number two is Kyle Bradish. Number three is Cole Irvin. Number four is Dean Kramer, and number five is Grayson Rodriguez. And you know, I'm saying this last one with my fingers crossed because, to be quite honest with you, Grayson Rodriguez, his spring training results—they uh, have not been very good. That has been that—that's ha- only been true of him out of these other starting rotation candidates. I think. Uh, Kyle Bradish got stumped in his most recent start very badly. Uh, all of the rest of his spring starts were pretty good. But Grayson Rodriguez, he is now allowed 15 runs, although only 12 were earned, if that makes you feel any better, in 15 and a third innings uh, in his spring training action. It's, it's not great. Uh, it's a small sample size, and it's a sample size that doesn't even count because it's the exhibition season. But as, I, uh, as I'm often saying, and will probably say many times on this podcast, It's much better to have a meaningless sample size that you have to pump the brakes on your excitement than it is to have a meaningless sample size that kind of stinks and you have to talk yourself into why the fact that those stinky results aren't going to end up mattering. So that's pretty much where we are with Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, We'll say a little bit more about him. I would like to go over uh, each of these guys a little bit in order. So number one, Kyle Gibson. Uh, Should he be the number one starter? Well. No, I don't really think so. Uh, he's probably going to be one of the worst number one starters to uh, you know, to pitch in, in, on opening day uh, out of anyone in Major League Baseball. Not very exciting. Um, I think the thing that's going to make him number one starter for the Orioles is not necessarily his quality as the fact that uh, he is the one guy who has a lot of Major League experience. He's a veteran of 10 seasons. Uh, He made 31 starts last year. He's the only one of the Orioles rotation contenders who's got more than two full years of time as a uh, major league starting pitcher. So that experience, I think, is going to give him the nod over somebody like Kramer, who by uh, 2022 results certainly ought to be the number one starter. But Kramer only has really last year as a good major league pitcher. So, Gibson. He had a 5.05 ERA last year with the Philadelphia Phillies, which, uh, given the diminished run environment in 2022, was really not very good. And it's actually uh, not that many innings for a quote-unquote innings eater. Gibson threw 167.2 innings in the season. Uh, To really count somebody as an innings eater, I kind of think you want to see him at about 180 innings. Uh, To give you a sense of what his previous team thought about him, uh, recall that the Phillies made it to the World Series last year, uh, and Gibson himself only made two appearances during that postseason run, neither of which were starts. So, there you go. On an actual World Series team, how much did they like Kyle Gibson or want to use him? Well, in the in the postseason, not very much. Um, so, he really was even worse in terms of actual results than the last year Orioles veteran starting pitcher, Jordan Lyles who now has signed a two-year contract with the Kansas City Royals. So would it have been better if the Orioles brought Lyles back? I guess you can wonder about that. That's certainly what I'll be keeping my eye on as the season goes along. Uh, The biggest problem for Kyle Gibson, he was homer prone in the 2022 season. He allowed 14 home runs to right-handed batters, and he gave up 15 home runs uh, at home. So a question for him. Uh, is Baltimore, if that's how you prefer to call the wall, it seems like that's the name has stuck, is that going to help him? Uh, we can certainly hope so. Uh, another thing to keep in mind is that Gibson is a candidate who might be in line for some improvement if you look at his fielding independent pitching number. And if you're not well-versed in baseball stats, let me explain that in brief. Uh, fielding independent pitching is kind of an ERA-like statistic that aims to really only look at uh, what a pitcher can control, which is generally his strikeout rate, his walk rate, and his home run rate. So you you kind of try and take the defense out of the equation. So Gibson's FIP, which again, just kind of think of it like compare it to his ERA, was 4.28, which still was not all that great based on the 2022 run environment, but it's a lot better than 5.05. It wouldn't be very good for a number one starter, Again, uh, it's it's going to be probably good enough uh, if he's, say, the worst Orioles starting pitcher rather than the best Orioles starting pitcher or, you know, the fourth best, something like that. That's really the key. Uh, if Kyle Gibson is one of their better guys, I think uh, the season is not going to be very good for the Orioles rotation and probably also not for the Orioles as a team. If he's really a back-end guy despite probably getting the opening day start, I think it'll be okay. So... Number two, we got the other Kyle, Kyle Bradish. He is another guy whose 2022 results on in aggregate were not all that great. He finished the season with 23 starts and a 4.90 ERA. Uh, it's just, it wasn't very good. The key for Kyle Bradish is that he was very good in the second half of the season, posting a 3.28 ERA, allowing batters to hit to only a .607 OPS for the second half of the season, and he really cut his hits and home runs allowed substantially. And just to give you one sense of this, uh, in the first half of the season, he gave up 64 hits. And in the second half, while pitching more games, he gave up only 55 hits. It was a big improvement. Another thing that I think is maybe pointing Bradish to uh, the number two spot in the rotation is I don't think the Orioles are really going to have to worry about managing his innings. Because counting his time in the minors... He made 29 starts, and he threw uh, 145 and a third innings for the season. So if we assume, not that this guideline necessarily means anything, that Bradish is going to be able to go another roughly 30 innings more than what he threw last year, then he should be able to do that without having to uh, dial that back in any way. So that's what I think is why he's the number two starting pitcher. Um, I guess we'll see whether that turns out to be a good decision or not. And uh, that's that's the top of the Orioles rotation. Uh, it's just, it's not what you want, but maybe it will be good enough to get them to go somewhere. So with those two out of the way, I'd like to take a brief a break uh, for a little sponsored segment from our friends at the uh, Fans First Sports Network. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices All right. And welcome back to Good Morning Birdland. And let's pick right up and get back to the Orioles starting rotation. Look at our probable number three guy, uh, Cole Irvin, the left-handed pitcher who the Orioles acquired from the Oakland Athletics over the offseason for infield prospect Darrell Hernes. Uh, He was a draft pick from the Orioles in the 2019 draft that has already generated big leaguers Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, and Kyle Stowers, and also has uh, another great infield prospect in Joey Ortiz, who we are certainly hoping to see in Baltimore sometime in 2023. Uh, Ernest was kind of the odd man out in that he wasn't uh, already in the high minors, and he's also not uh, as much of a high ceiling guy as, for instance, the number one overall pick from last year's draft, Jackson Holiday, who of course is also an infielder. So, Irvin last season, three point nine eight ERA with the Oakland Athletics sounds pretty good, especially compared to the previous two guys we just talked about in the two Kyles, Gibson and Bradish. Uh, the only problem with that is that considering the depressed run environment in 2022, as well as Irvin having his home park as uh, whatever the heck they're calling it, Coliseum out in Oakland. That ERA was actually below average, so Orioles fans are going to be hoping for better than that from Irvin this year. Again, looking at fielding independent pitching, he was basically the same pitcher as Kyle Gibson last year with a 4.21 fifth. So that kind of points to him as being maybe more of a back-end of the rotation guy uh, who's hopefully going to be able to eat up some innings. Irvin did hit that 180-inning plateau last year. He made 30 starts and threw 181 innings. So I think that's why the Orioles were found him to be an appealing acquisition. Uh, he's going to be low-cost in terms of salary. He doesn't become arbitration-eligible until next season. And that means the Orioles have potentially four years of team control of Irvin, which as long as he pitches well, that's going to be a good thing to have. Uh, If he doesn't pitch well, then that's not going to seem like such a selling point. Irvin is another guy who it seems like we can hope is going to be helped out by Baltimore. He gave up 20 home runs last year to right-handed batters. So if he's helped by his home stadium now, uh, that's going to be good for him. He was not helped by his home stadium last year. Well, he was. Uh, The problem was then he did very poorly uh, away from the Coliseum. Kyle, uh, Cole Urban, excuse me, had a 5.26 ERA in the 2022 season, uh, only in away parks. So his big problem for the year, however, was that in the September and October starts, he had a 6.75 ERA in the six starts he made in those months. And that's been identical to the problem he had in September and October in 2021, when he had the exact same ERA in the September-October period. So. He knows that, and he did give some interviews early in spring training, saying that uh, he had kind of done his off-season work a little bit differently, hoping that he would not be worn down to the same extent when he gets into the final month of the season this year. So we can hope that, having addressed that, uh, Cole Irvin is going to do much better in the final month of the season, And he was uh, really a top-of-the-rotation-looking pitcher in the first five months. It was just once you hit September, he was no longer able to keep up that level of quality. So we'll see. Uh, Mike Elias presumably has a good reason to believe that Irvin is capable of doing better than that. I guess if you want to look at the silver lining, if Irvin does struggle in September, by that time, John Means, uh, the Orioles' one incumbent lefty, although he, of course, is missing uh, most of the season due to his Tommy John surgery he had last year. He certainly should be back by September, maybe even August, and so he could maybe be a lefty to replace Irvin if Irvin stumbles. As I'm going to say many times, we'll see. So that moves us along to number four, where it seems that Dean Kramer is lined up. Uh, Kramer, of course, is the really the only incumbent Orioles starting pitcher who had a good full season last year. A 3.23 ERA in the 22 games he pitched. Pretty, pretty good. Uh, Even considering, yes, the 2022 run environment was uh, depressed and it was harder to score runs. The challenge for Kramer is last year was really his his first full year as a big league pitcher. He doesn't have any kind of multi-year track record. Really, he stunk in the 2021 season. He had a 7.55 ERA in the 13 games pitched. Uh, that he pitched, and that included allowing 17 home runs. That's pretty bad. Kramer, at this point, is really the, uh, maybe the only guy who is potentially going to be able to make an impact from the Dan Duquette fire sale trades in the July 2018, uh, July 2018 when he traded away all of the good Orioles players in the middle of that tank job. Uh, Kramer, of course, came in the Manny Machado trade from the Dodgers at the time the Orioles acquired him, he was a big strikeout pitcher, although he was not a name brand prospect. He had struck out 114 batters in 79 innings at the time of that trade. I think that's why the Orioles got him there. Um, the, he, they could have maybe hoped that he was uh, a pitcher who was better than his prospect stock based on that. Well, Kramer, as a big leaguer it, last year, had a 6.2 strikeouts per nine innings. So if you take a look at pitchers who threw at least 100 innings last year, Dean Kramer with his 6.2k per nine, he was 125th among those pitchers. Uh, So there were no Cy Young contenders that were below seven, although there were several pitchers, including Kramer, who had some success there. Oh, and by the way, Orioles' rotation mate Cole Irvin was 121st among that same group in terms of the strikeout rate. So... It doesn't seem like the Orioles are going to be a big strikeout starting rotation. We are going to see what ends up happening with that, whether it hurts them. Uh, it seems like the Orioles ought to be able to have a good defense as they did last year, so hopefully that means that the fact that they don't have as many strikeout pitchers in the starting rotation won't hurt them. And that brings us to number five, Grayson Rodriguez, who absolutely is a strikeout pitcher. Uh, last season, before he suffered the lat injury that robbed us of getting to see him in the big leagues, he had a 2.2 ERA in the 14 starts he made uh, for A Norfolk, struck out 97 batters in 69 and two-thirds innings. That's really awesome. Uh, I think that many Orioles fans have been hoping that that's the kind of thing we're going to see from Grayson Rodriguez at the big league level. It's really unfortunate that he suffered the injury he did, Uh, last season, and that he was not able to be a part of the 2022 surprising turnaround. I think if he had been, the Orioles maybe would have even been able to qualify for the playoffs. Alas, it's just going to be one of those might have been things. Now, the big consideration for Rodriguez is what's going to be his innings limit. So before we get too far into that, let's just be honest. The Orioles themselves are not going to be counting it as innings. uh, But Whatever their metric is, it's probably going to be something like pitches or maybe high-stress pitches or whatever. Um, innings is just the easiest thing for fans to talk about. So again, Rodriguez, 69 2 3 innings last year. As a pro, he's never thrown more than 103 innings. So what are they going to do with him? Are they going to end up starting him at, at the A level again, using his kind of spring performance uh, as an excuse? as well as the fact that he uh, maybe is going to be better off being able to build up innings uh, there at the AAA level, rather than having him taking up a roster spot at the big league level, if they know that they're only going to have him start out throwing, let's say, four inning starts for like a month or even two months of the season. Uh, or are they just going to throw him right into the big league rotation? I'm certainly hoping for the big league rotation. Uh, Of course, Rodriguez, he's a very high prospect on some rankings. He is the best uh, right-handed pitching prospect or any pitching prospect in all of uh, Major League Baseball. So it certainly seemed like he didn't uh, really have a whole lot more to gain from the AAA level based on how he performed last year. Uh, Earlier this week, I was reading an article from Baseball America, and they quoted a scout talking about Grayson Rodriguez, uh, who certainly agreed with me. And I will read off the quote. The scout, anonymous scout, said, quote, he might not be a number one starter immediately, but that guy has no use for AAA. He's probably their best starter, and he needs to be on their team. There's no doubt he could contend for rookie of the year. It's vicious stuff, and he's composed and confident. He's going to be very good very quickly. End of quote. Of course, it hasn't been happening so far in spring training, but that doesn't count. It's only uh, what he's able to take into the regular season that's going to end up counting. Now, one other reason I hope that Rodriguez can pitch uh, on the Major League team starting in on opening day is the uh, relatively new, what uh, Major League Baseball's CBA calls the Prospect Promotion Incentive, which you heard about a little bit last year. Uh, Adley Rutschman was not able to qualify for it since he started on the injured list due to the uh, injury he suffered in spring training of last year. Uh, what the Prospect Promotion Incentive is is meant to do is encourage teams to put their top prospects on their opening day rosters rather than uh, stick them down in the minors for the loophole allowing teams to get a seventh year of service time rather than six years of service time. The incentive for doing this is if a player starts on the opening day roster in his debut season, and then uh, if he wins the rookie of the year, then the team will get a bonus draft pick as a reward for doing that there's also kind of a downside uh, for the team if they don't start a guy on the major league roster which is that if he's called up later and then if he finishes in the top of the rookie of the year voting then the player may gain a full year of service time even if he wouldn't have done so otherwise and this did happen to the orioles with adley rutschman last year uh, even though he would not have qualified for the full season of service time since they only called him up in mid-may He finished high enough in the Rookie of the Year voting that he was awarded a full year of service time. So, not that the Orioles were gaming his service time since he got hurt, but the fact is they are getting hurt by uh, that anyway. Um, Since Rutschman was on the team and really was a big part of why they were able to win 83 games, I don't think the Orioles are really going to complain, but it is going to cost them a year of Rutschman down the road, and that's just the way it is. So there's our five starting pitchers, I think. There could be a swerve um, in terms of what they want to do. Other contenders are guys like Tyler Wells or Spencer Watkins. Uh, Maybe even Austin Voth, who somehow was decent as an Orioles pitcher last year after arriving as a waiver claim. But I, I hope it's the five guys I've talked about today. And I hope that they're able to be good enough to get by until... John Means comes back and is able to supplant one of them. What's actually going to happen? Well, you know, uh, as, as the cliche goes, that's why they play the games. I think the, the performance of these five guys is really going to go probably a long way towards determining whether the Orioles are able to uh, exceed their record last year or whether they are not able to do that. So, you know, we're, we'll see what happens. Uh, there's days where I feel kind of hopeful. Uh, there's days where I don't, of course. Uh, Rodriguez getting shelled in his most recent spring start, uh, fresh as I'm getting ready to record this podcast, doesn't help me have great feelings about that. But uh, again, I mean, other than Bradish's most recent outing, all of these guys have looked pretty good in the spring, and and you know, other than Rodriguez throughout the spring having problems in the fourth inning or the third inning or whatever one bad inning. So we'll see how they're able to do as a group. Uh, Hopefully they'll be able to surprise the prognosticators and people like me who think that the Orioles really should have gotten someone better than Kyle Gibson as a free agent this past offseason. They didn't do it. We're we're locked in with the guys that we have. And what's going to happen? Well, I don't really know. But the good news is uh, there will be plenty more chances to talk about whatever happens on Good Morning Birdland. So I'm going to wrap things up here. Uh, I do want to let you know that there is an email where you can write in to the uh, Good Morning Birdland. That's really just going to be me. And the email is camdencastpod at gmail.com. I hope to read at least one email per episode. So really, you can write. And uh, as long as uh, I have something that I'm able to read off in your email, then I would be glad to read it off in the next episode. My hope is to regularly have episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning. You can find this show on Twitter. It's just at Camden Cast. Uh, I was lucky to be able to get that handle. Uh, please don't confuse this podcast with the Camden Cast that exists uh, and is dedicated to the old TV show Seventh Heaven, where the family was named the Camden's. No, I'm here talking about the Orioles. At this exact moment, you can only subscribe to Good Morning Birdland and the Camden Cast Network on the Apple Podcasts. It will be coming very soon to other platforms, including Spotify. Google, Stitcher, and all those other good uh, things where you can listen to podcasts in the 2020s. So that's all I've got for you today. I will look forward to seeing you on Monday morning. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network, and I will see you next time.